Welcome to Therapy is Dope with Alicia and Julie. Let's make self-help fun again. But no, seriously, laughter is the best medicine. Come and join us as we introduce new ways of thinking and being. And hopefully get you laughing along the way. We're back. Last week we we had some snafus. And we got updates for you. Yes, Julie did get a text message back from her sister. So we're going to talk about that. And then there was also some uh, another coping strategy that we identified that we wanted to share or that Julie identified, I should say. And Alicia confirmed. So great teamwork, my dear. (laughs) And it's free, guys. So another free strategy. Yes. From therapy is dope. <laughs> All right, Julie, what's the update? So the update was I ended up texting her and asking her if, um, oh, that was in the last episode. So I did text her and we we're waiting for a response. Yeah, I think about 10 hours later, she responded with a very sweet text. She was like, hey, I just needed time to, you know, break down your other text. Yes, I would like, um, yes, I dream of a day where we could be in the same room without any resentment and completely carefree, but there's a lot of things that she needs to work on right now. Um, but let me get, and she's going through therapy and all that. And she, let me get back to you um, later on this month. I said, perfect. You know, I said, take your time, whatever. Uh, so I really responded with a positive, uh, you know, positive, supportive text message, which in turn, I think it just, you know, helps um, the snowball effect of positivity between the both of us. Yeah. And I think it was really cool because last episode we were kind of talking about like finding your own closure if you have to. And realistically, we were probably jumping the gun a little bit, assuming that she just wasn't going to text you back. And sometimes people do need time to get back to us. And I think it was a nice lesson in that department as well like sometimes things just take time and people need time and you never know what's going on in someone's life that they can't respond right away or whatever you know yeah we, but so, sorry go ahead I was just gonna say we jumped to conclusions about like oh they must not care they must not you know want to talk to me or they must be mad at me or whatever and that's not always the case so this was a cool example of that too I think I agree with that. And I think that also um, plays on the topic last week, we were talking about anxiety. And, you know, during the downtime, we talked about that person be doing anything, taking a shit for a real long time, and then forgot, (laughs) and then went down the rabbit hole of the YouTube videos and TikToks. We all are victims of that. And, you know, we, we just end up like, what the hell? Eight hours later, how did the whole day just pass by, right? Uh. And had nothing to do with you. And a lot of times we just take it personally when it really, at the end of the day, would nothing to do with us. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that that was a high. I, I know when I'm able to understand, like, I, I'm able to have such low anxiety on a w- waiting for something to happen, like something pending. I have such low um, anxiety on it to the point where I forget that I actually asked that person to do something. You know, I've had that yeah, situation. Yeah, me too. But then when things are emotional, you take it personally, my anxiety shoots up the roof, 
as in that text message. And all day I was counting down the seconds. Like, is she going to text me? Is she not going to text me? And then I pretended to get myself busy. But in reality, I was like, she going to text me today? What the hell? You know? <laughs> um, and that's what I came up with the strategy, which is free. And all you need is piece of paper and a pencil. We and love writing. Yeah, yeah we love to write. Or I guess you could do it on your phone or you could do it out loud driving by yourself or in the car, or in the shower. I guess you don't really need a pencil and pen. I do like writing, but if you if you don't actually need that, um, maybe the Gen Z's, they just do it through a, like a virtual um, assistant somewhere in, you know, Bangladesh. Virtual, chat GPT. Yes, 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 yes. I was just going to say that, but I forgot to make it. That's funny. Um, so I do think there's something therapeutic about hand uh, or I'm sorry, pen to paper. I think there's something really therapeutic about that. I think that we process things in a different way when we do that versus just like using voice text in our phone, you know? I agree with that. It has something to do with speed because when you're writing, you only could write probably a 10th of the speed that you speak. Right. So you could go, I could go, blah, 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 but you're, as you're writing, you're thinking about each letter, you're thinking about each word because you have to, because you have to write each letter. So because of that, it, it forces you to slow down and then you start thinking about, um, process it. That's, that's what I think, believe. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I know there have been times that I was upset with somebody or upset, uh, upset about something. And I thought about it all day and I talked to other people about it and nothing really felt settled to me until I sat and wrote. And once I wrote, it was like, it all became clear to me, like, oh, this is what's going on. So maybe it is that sitting and slowing down with it. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, it also for me seems to like organize my thoughts or help me organize my thoughts. Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Thinking of which, two. I'm gonna I'm gonna share two strategies now because I just thought about another organized thought. Oh, so good. Because sometimes you have like a thousand unrelated thoughts on top of each other, right? And then you're kind of like you're worried. You're you're maybe fifty percent worried about everything. So you're like a jack of all trades and a master none. So you've mastered zero percent of your thoughts, but you have all these half pending thoughts flying around. You know your mind. Uh. So since we're talking about that, we'll do the first uh, strategy. So the first one is piece of paper, draw a circle in the middle. And basically it is why you feel the way you feel. You can either write those down or write the initials down or, or not write anything, doesn't matter. Or boost, happy face, <laughs> whatever you want. And, in, and then you write a, from the middle dot, you write a line out, probably maybe four inches from the center outward. And then on that line, you write one of the thoughts. So let's say at that day, I say, when is my sister going to text me back? I'll write, when is my sister going to text me back? I write another line um, going from, you know, maybe the South point to the North point or whatever. You, you're just writing. Basically, it's going to look like a dot in the middle with a bunch of lines protruding from the center outward. And on each line, they're going to have a, 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 a thought, basically, right? So the next one's going to be, oh, I need to pump gas, you know, like empty cat gas tank. And the other one's going to be, um, uh, we need to finish my homework or the other one's going to be, Oh, client coming in need to put her, the finances paper, you know, for a presentation. Next one's going to be, um, remember to return my shoes <laughs> that I meant to do. The other one's going to be, um, 
pick up, you know, pick up a uh, prescription for kids. Um, the other one's going to be uh, pick up kids. <laughs> <laughs> I need a reminder for that. So then you're writing all this down. So instead of having a swirl of a bunch of thoughts that are flying up in the air, you know, like these, uh, and I think I've used this in actually in this podcast before, like a million kites in the air, oh, you're pulling yes. one kite down and you're writing it down, pulling one kite down, writing it down. So now they're not tangled in the air. They're actually written on a piece of paper. And that really helps anxiety when it, well, and me personally, because it just helps you look at what it is and you go, oh, most of the time, I want to say 90% of the time I do this, actually 100% of the time, um, I feel better, number one. But number two, it's always like, oh, that's it? Is there any other thoughts? And after like, you know, 12 of them, you're like, I think that's it. It's like, oh, I could do these 12. You know, it's not that bad. It's not like you're going to write 50 thoughts and go, oh, if you do this, like, mm, yeah, you need, you, you need to slow down. <laughs> I do have clients that obsess over to-do lists this one client, she had like a special app with like 60 to-do lists. I'm like, oh my God, okay. We cannot have this many to-do lists. That is like really overwhelming. Um, was some of them very basic? Like, did they add brush your teeth, go to sleep? But did they add stuff like that? No, no. It was like, um, get things to organize my room. And then there was like a list of stuff that she needed to organize her room. And then maybe another oh. list for like getting ready for school. Here's a list of things I have to do to get ready for school. Um, so yeah, just like a hundred to-do lists. And she's one of those people who has ADHD and anxiety. So keeping anything straight is difficult. And then also feeling overwhelmed by looking at the lists can be a lot so she was trying to like categorize it and put it in uh oh. prioritize it essentially but <clears throat> i don't think that strategy ever actually worked out for us <laughs> no oh yeah and, and i do want to say there are different strategies because that strategy i was like oh that sounds great you know it might actually work for one of our listeners but not work for another one so right. what we're sharing yeah, what we're sharing now, like maybe it works for me and possibly Alicia, but it might not work for everybody. So we're going to be spitting out a ton of strategies in every, probably every episode and see what works. If it doesn't work for you, skip it. Like you have no obligation to stay with the strategy because it's just because it's proven with one person. It's not proven with everybody. Yeah, that's very true. We all have to find what works for us. And sometimes what works on one day won't work the next day. And that's both frustrating and good because then we could try it again a different day. But then it's also frustrating because we're like, oh no, nothing works. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't necessarily true. It's just sometimes we are feeling a little bit more difficult than others. Oh, that's true. Even if one strategy one day worked for you, it may not work for a different day because of what Oh, I like that. That helped just like that just hit home to me right now. Well, yay! Look at this accidental progress. I know. Uh, that that's what brought me to my second strategy was accidental progress because really, I over the years, you know, you and I like we just read case studies after case study or like um author and motivation speaker and hear a little odd you know like audio here a ted talk here whatever so this strategy kind of came up and i was thinking okay well 
and this was specific my sister. I was like, oh, I feel so anxious. Like I want her to reply. I don't know what to do during this time. And I, I want to be productive and I don't want to be in a bad mood. So I don't want to like show up to work in a bad mood or show up to my uh, parents' house bad mood or anywhere, right? So I was like, cause they don't deserve me bringing in this energy. So I was like, how do I clear this energy? So I was thinking, why don't I do extremes? Because when our inner child, when we're like throwing a tantrum and we're like, oh my God, nothing's going my way. It's always extremes, right? So I said, okay, why don't I just uh, articulate what the extremes are and maybe I could find a happy medium. So I went to, you know, basically the heaven and hell of the situation of my sister. So like the quote unquote heaven would be, you know, like when just the, and in your situation, any anybody's situation, think of like, you know, rainbows and butterflies and every star in the planet lined up just for you. What would that sound like? Woo! <laughs> and uh, and then on the hell part, you know, like if ever like. It was, it's just the worst day of your life. And then the knife gets twisted. You know, that last, like, really? So I made a huge list of it. Like, in, in the positive side, it just said, okay, if my sister, um, you know, uh, if my sister changed. I know it's so crazy, right? I said, if my sister changed, she became this amazing leader. She partnered up with me at the, at the uh, company company she um helped me out with here she was super supportive she found a loving husband they had kids and uh she was a wonderful mom and she found purpose in her life and her husband was a billionaire and you know what i mean like just uh, like i just did all these things that made her feel so happy so every time she comes in she meets with my parents she's super loving she helps them she takes care of them um and she helps me with the business so she makes everybody's life easier and happier to be around so that's that my is definitely ideal. Yeah. Sounds ideal. lovely. <laughs> and then my opposite uh, situation, extreme situation would be if she uh, started gossiping about me to all our loved ones, all our cousins, all uh, my partner, my parents and had them and had, yeah. And turned them against me. And everybody thought, Oh my God, Julie's so stupid. She's so dumb. She, everything's her fault. Uh, and then in the meantime, I go down a spiral. I fail the business, the family business. I lose all my parents' like 60 years of hard work. Um, I break out into a, you know, a allergic acne all over my body. It becomes like this crazy rash that looks so disgusting that people don't want to touch me, let alone look at me. And falls <laughs> out anxiety. Um, I end up being so scared and anxious. I end up not having uh the strength to do anything outside of stay in bed while you know building bed rashes what is that um <laughs> bed sores <laughs> sores because I don't get out of bed <laughs> Julie I love your imagination so those are my situations and I realized eh, that's probably not gonna happen so neither so, one right neither one and I accepted neither one and I said you know what what's in the middle and what can I accept so I just started making a, a huge list of things that um somewhere in the middle that's not extreme that may, might happen and would that be okay with you you know and and or, or how do I learn to live with this 
So I just made a list of, okay, she's me and her probably not going to be best friends. We're probably, she's not going to work at the bakery. She's not going to do these things, but she's probably not going to um, convince my parents that I'm a piece of shit or something, you know, or I'm not going to fail the business because of that or that, you know, like just what's realistic. So, so I kind of found a happy medium and hopefully I'll talk to her about that. So at least I have a list of like, okay, things that I'm going to try to accept. And I've just been kind of going through it and breathing through it and being mindful of what uh, my extreme cases have been like messing my thoughts up. I absolutely love that. I even love that acceptance piece that you're talking about because one of my clients and I were just talking about it today. And there's a therapy called DBT and it's for people with borderline personality disorder or really just anybody who has intense, overwhelming emotions. And um, in DBT, one of the skills that they teach is called radical acceptance. And it's just trying to accept the circumstances for what they are and not try to make things different. And um, she was confused about it, my client, because she was like, I can't accept the way that my life is right now. Like, I can't just accept that this is what I have to look forward to forever. And I was like, no, I don't think that's what that means. I think it means like accepting that things might not go the way that we want them to all the time and that we might be imperfect and that's okay. And things along those lines that are more realistic for us to accept instead of like you accepting the hell version of that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that would not be something that you would want to accept. But that middle ground is probably something that you want to think about accepting. If I don't get yeah. everything I want, but I get some of what I want, what would that look like? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then your mind stops going into that crazy, anxious extreme. It yeah. kind of calms down and goes, hey. And then if you really write down, if you're writing down, look at all the points that you go to the extreme cases, write down and says, and, and ask yourself, is this factual? Is this real? Or is this emotionally imagined? You know, you need to, like, is this factual? Is this proven? Is yeah. it proven that you're going to break into this full-blown body acne forever? <laughs> I don't know what, what in the world that is, but I really enjoy that. <laughs> Gross, huh? <laughs> Such a fun thought. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so you just have to be, once you be realistic about it, it's like, oh, okay, but I was anxious that day. Yeah. Because you care, you know? I don't think you would be anxious if you didn't care. Yeah. And I think what it's about- a beautiful thing to care. Because I think you you go through anxiety. Is it because you cared so much about everything? God, that's a good question. Uh, well, one of my anxieties, for example, is health anxiety. I just like have like a little borderline hypochondria going on. Oh, okay. Um, and not that I'm, I'm not like I used to be when I I started when I was little, and when I was little, like the slightest twinge of a stomach ache, and I was like, oh, no. "What's going on?" Um, uh, but now, I worry about like, am I gonna get cancer one day? Is this is this a headache or is this a brain tumor? You know. So, and I think some of it, 
has to do with my mom because she was an ICU nurse. And so she always like thought the worst case scenario, like, oh, you're going to end up with kidney failure. You're going to, you might have meningitis, you know, like she just went there with things. And um, I don't know if I inherited that from her or if I learned that from her, but definitely very early on, I was like worried about my body a lot. So <clears throat> health anxiety is not necessarily, well, I guess it's, I care to live. I do want to live and be healthy. Um, but I don't know what else we could say that <laughs> I'm caring about. But yeah, outside of health anxiety, then it's mostly health anxiety. Um, no, I mean, gosh, I worry about all kinds of things. My kids, um, sometimes work, if work gets particularly stressful. Uh, and yeah, I guess I care to succeed as both a parent and uh, an entrepreneur. So I guess there is a level of caring in there. Um, yeah, things that we, there's a lot of things I don't care about. And I think that's why you thought for a long time that I was such a non-anxious person because there's yeah. just a lot of shit I just don't care about but the things I do care about I care about a lot I guess oh you're so cute Alicia <laughs> hmm, thank you uh but also anxiety is just this like unconscious message that something bad's gonna happen and you know it's interesting because I think for a lot of people it starts with um the first time you experience something bad, you're like, oh shit, didn't think. I think that most of us operate under the assumption that bad things aren't going to happen to us until they do. Okay. And then once we experience them, we're like, oh my God, now this is a possibility on my radar that I'm going to like be anxious about. So, <clears throat> or if like we hear of it happening to someone else, like when I was a little kid, one of the fears that I held on to for a long time was a story that a little girl in my elementary school told me that her cousin choked on a pill and died. And so I was terrified to swallow pills for a very long time. And I remember it was the nurse at camp who got me to take my first pill. What'd she say? To calm you down enough to do it. I don't even know. It was probably just the fact that it wasn't my parent, you know? It was someone different that I was trying to perform for. But she oh, told me to take a big drink and she told me that she was going to tickle my throat or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but like, I didn't even feel the pill go down because I took such a big gulp of water. And oh. I was like, oh, look at this. I and I didn't so, die. Yeah, I didn't die. So then I was like practicing with my cereal. <laughs> like, take a lucky charm and like take a sip of milk. <laughs> So I like, uh, but the original fear came from a story I heard about someone else. You know, I just latched onto that and was like, shit, I might die if I take the spell. So um, I think it's just this like unconscious worry that we hold on to that plays kind of for us over and over. Like, well, but this bad thing could happen that I heard about or that I experienced in the past. And we don't really ask ourselves, what if everything works out? Yeah. Or ask yourself, why? Why Why do you not want to take the pills, let's say? Oh, because my friend told me. 
okay, why did your friend tell you that? Oh, maybe she wanted to share a story. Okay, what is that story true? Is it, oh, I don't know. And then it makes you think, am I believing any story that's coming? No. Why did you choose just that story to, to believe? I don't know, because it, it just makes sense. What part of it makes sense? And if you keep just asking all these questions about it, then you go, yeah, this doesn't make any sense at all. You know, or whatever. <laughs> I think it might help you. But I also think that a little bit of anxiety is healthy for you. Because could you imagine if you had no anxiety in your life, then wouldn't you be not motivated to really not do anything? Uh, yes, they do say that there is helpful anxiety that does help us be motivated. Um, so there's a such thing as good stress for sure. It, I think it just, there's a line, you know, where yeah. it's, it's no longer helpful. And it's like when it's causing you significant distress or it's causing you physical symptoms or it's disrupting your relationships or it's disrupting your daily function. And when it gets to that point, then it's just too far. And there's usually a pattern with people. And if you're going to have mental health issues, it usually shows up as anxiety when you're a little kid. And then around middle school, high school, uh, you might see some depression start to creep in. And mm. then usually college is when we have like our real, like first super low point. Um, and that's kind of the mental health pattern developmentally. It's rare that you see little, little kids that are depressed. It's mostly little, little kids anxious. Oh, yeah. Oh, so can you say that people that are depressed are most likely anxious as well? Uh, I think if you're a highly anxious person, you've probably experienced some depression because what happens a lot of times is your body gets tired of being at 10 all the time and it just can't physically sustain that. So depression kind of swoops in to say, you know what? I just don't give a shit about anything. It's like the uh, other extreme of anxiety. Like I can't care at all anymore. So uh, it's like the relief for anxiety. Uh, I put I put relief in quotes. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. So if oh this totally makes sense because I remember when I was depressed I was anxious but I don't know if I was depressed and anxious at the same time like I think it went from like it went there was no middle ground it was like I'm so sad I have no and no motivation to get out of bed and then it was like oh my god if I don't get out of bed then oh my god I'm just going to you know my life is gonna you know go, go like it's gonna pass right by me and I'm gonna be nothing yes and exactly uh, Okay, I'm so tired of being everything. I want to be nothing. And then, oh my God, I'm nothing, you know? Yes, that's pretty much how it goes. And it sucks too that it's like such extremes. And yeah. some people never experience that status quo. Some people are always stuck in one or the other. It sucks. Really? <clears throat> yeah, I have clients oh. like that. So with um, therapy or medication, the goal is just to find that middle ground yeah absolutely there's so many people that even like it's funny when people get medicated a lot of times you know as a professional you ask like oh how's the medication going 
they're like, I don't know. I don't know what normal feels like. What am I supposed to feel like? <laughs> oh, what if you, what if you've been depressed or anxious for so long, you don't know what not feeling that feels like? Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. I, I have one client that I'm thinking of in particular, and she is pretty much either anxious or depressed all the time. And she hardly, I don't know that she's ever experienced a day where she just feels like normal, like, just like, this is fine. This is life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just how she's always felt. And she's tried all the medications and she gets some relief from some things, but for the most part, she oscillates between those two. Wow. Yeah. And maybe she has she tried different types of medication or she tried different breathing exercises. She just tried a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think the thing that's been the most helpful to her was um TMS. Transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, and I've seen a lot of clients have a lot of success with TMS. I think it's an amazing treatment and I, I hope that it just gets cheaper and cheaper to do is it expensive right now like how much is it it doesn't sound like it would be expensive because generally insurance will cover it and all you have to pay is your copay but you go oh. every day for like six weeks so you're paying 30 bucks a day for six weeks and that gets a little pricey it ends up costing people usually around like a thousand dollars damn every day why do you have to pay because that's how the treatment goes. So we know that everything that happens in the brain is electric. And so sometimes the theory for TMS is that sometimes um, one part of the brain is not able to fully communicate with the other part of the brain. So they're doing electrical stimulation to try to help encourage communication oh. in the brain and and maybe even like wake up some other parts that haven't been functioning as well <clears throat> so it's it's very effective for most people and it does really well but you have to do it daily for six weeks and usually you don't feel the, the um, change until around week four or five so really it's like towards the end that you really start to feel the change and um, that's just kind of how it works so so okay so you're spending this money so people that may not make it to uh, week four or five because they're like okay it's been two weeks already i feel the same thing this shit doesn't work is it just like one of those things where um you're going to a gym or you're on a diet and you're like oh my god i'm starving to death and the scale hasn't changed at all what the hell so it's one of those things that okay you, you just have to go through it and you'll see it at the end of it because yeah. that's what actually he said too uh, before you know when she was heavy and she started working out she said she worked out every single day and she didn't see a pound get off the scale for like until like month eight or something whoa she was, she was gonna nookie the uh jersey, jersey short oh yeah. okay she said it was or some 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 long period of time like month six month eight whatever it was then after that once your but once she said once her body recognized oh this is the way i'm gonna eat this is the way i'm gonna but bam she like lost the ton of weight and she kept it off you know and she realized this is the life i want to live i don't want to live like that anymore or whatever right so then um uh but she kept at it 
So I think the key is just to keep at it, whether or not it's this or meditation or any of the free strategies we gave you, just keep it up. It may not work, you know, and, and it even goes to like people that had go to, um, I, I, I just read this recently. It's like, um, there was a matchmaker and she was writing an article and she mm-hmm. said, she said, don't, if you have a, fir- a shitty first date, don't make up your mind yet. Keep going on that date. If he wants to go, you know, if he's willing to continue, try it. Maybe date five might change, but after date five, you're good. But anyways, but if you have a, but if you have, you tried because you don't consider other things. Like what if that day that guy got in a car accident or something that, and then re- and then, uh, wrecked his car, his most cherished car, and he's all pissed off or whatever. And he's super late for something. Um, and then, um, or if he, uh, I don't know, if he had bad news about his family or his friends or something like that, and he goes into a date and he's not even there. So you go, do this guy even care about me? You know, does he even care? But he might. Um, you just don't know all that, and it might be too early to, um, it might be too early to, to really decide. I mean. Yeah, to make a decision yet. Uh, Five dates seems like a lot to me, though. My rule of thumb was three. Oh, really? Okay. I gave you three dates, and if you can't yeah, three. sway me in three dates, I can't waste any more of my time. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I mean, everybody's different. But, like, my sister has an issue with that. My younger sister, she gives guys way too many chances. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time? You already know you don't like this dude. <laughs> oh. How many dates does she give? I don't know what her rule is now, but that's how she was before. I'd have to ask her what her new, if she has a new rule. <laughs> we'll keep you updated, guys. Next Next time, I'll let you know. Yeah. How's she uh, doing? Um, what do you mean? Dating? Yeah, dating one. Has, has she improved uh, the more dates or how I don't, I don't think she's doing so hot. I think uh every it seems like every time she's one of those people who doesn't have connections with people a lot. And every time she does have a connection, it doesn't seem to work out. So and I don't know if the guys are just, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of different circumstances. I don't think it's like the feelings not necessarily mutual. I think, well, you and I have talked about this plenty. Like sometimes it's just that they're in a place where they're really focused on their career. So they can't really focus on a relationship or they're, you know, maybe not financially ready to be in a relationship or they don't think they are anyway, or um maybe they have some kinds of emotional problems or something and you know there's just a lot of different circumstances that could be why things don't work out yeah I I agree with that I think that instead of trying so hard just live your life be happy and then your stars will align you know yeah and and uh, Jim Carrey famously went on um, Oprah and talked about how he dreamt, like talk about, you know, manifestation and all that, but he dreamt about being, um, being a, like a superstar or like a movie star or a comedian or something like that, right? And that he was going to make a million dollars from his, um, from, from the it. So he would g- drive down to the comedy store 
or whatever, wherever stand he wanted to go to, he would drive down there, sit in front of it as if he was like preparing for his, his this thing, even though they didn't name, they didn't book him, you know, uh, then he would try, he would ask, he would ask, and he would try to do it in different places. And he would do it in a, you know, whatever he would do that. Then he finally got a spot and then he would do it. And every time he didn't have a spot, he would go down there anyway. So then he would just do that all the time till he got, a, he was a regular. Then he got this movie gig, then Dumb and Dumber wrote, you know, all that, right? Um, but he was talking about that. Just do hit, do you. Like, if you really want it, do it till it's blue in your face. Like, just, you, it, and it makes you happy. It's going to make you happy whether you get money from it or not. That reminds me, I don't remember which entrepreneur it was, but it was some woman who, oh, I think it was the Spanx lady. The lady who came up with Spanx, she was telling her story and she had, she was trying to find investors and she got like a hundred rejections or something like that. And she just persisted and persisted and persisted. And all you really need is that one yes, or that one breakthrough or that one phone call that changes everything. And that's what I think people forget. Like they get so lost in things aren't going my way right now that they forget all the potential that exists out there in the world. And when we focus on all the negative, I think we make it less likely that we'll get that positive potential. Right. I think it does us much, much more good to think about positive potential. And that's one of the things that actually fights anxiety as well. So there you go, guys. Lots of free tips today for anxiety. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Hope you guys come back and give us some comments on how you did. When you all right. More. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks.